Hey there, everybody. This is a special episode in our Build 2019 series. This is episode 219, and we sit down with Jeff Holland to talk about Azure Functions and how Carl and I inspired Kata. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. We're sitting down with Jeff Holland, Program Manager for Azure Functions, once again. How's it going, Jeff? It's going fantastic. Day two of build. I'm excited to be <laughs> yes. here. And you've had, how many sessions have you done? Uh, to this, I think three, and I have one more tomorrow. <laughs> that's great. Uh, if that, you have that's to think actually a it, pretty big load for a speaker is? at build. Yeah, I, I had, it was interesting because initially I only had two sessions, and then they sent me an email and they're like, hey, we have this thing called like the theater. Yeah. Um, would you be interested in doing a session for the theater? And I was like, sure, here's, here's four ideas. I think any of these would be interesting. Let me know which one you want. And then they emailed me back like a week later and they're like, why don't you do all four? Uh, and so I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and which was great. I was yeah. excited to have the chance, but I was like, Let, let's whittle this down. So I, I took just what I could grab. So it's a big load, but, yeah. but uh, I think it's a, it's a fun one. A lot that, of, that lots theater of cool area stuff. is crazy too. Like, yeah. I mean, so Bill just got like a 10x multiplier because I'm walking around and like everybody is like doing a presentation like out in the open. And then I saw this, uh, this is basically my new monitor setup, but there were these, <laughs> These like uh you know like ten by twenty foot screens and there was like eight of them up on the wall and you could like get a headset and dial into the number. I love that stuff. Like, Actually, that's crazy. that's one monitor. Right, that's one that, that, uh-huh. they've windowed, that they've windowed out. Yeah, so that yeah. Ma- that that makes it even more impressive because it's really like a twenty by like one hundred and sixty, sure, or right. whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's like it, it, the thing must be yeah, it must be like twenty twenty feet tall. Yeah, I mean it's like it's just this crazy huge screen. So. Yeah, I walked by it just barely. They had like twelve sessions in parallel, and then you yeah. just grab the headset and you're like i'm gonna listen to 11 yeah sounds nice though it's like i just i'm like i'm bored of this one i'm gonna go watch the microsoft teams presentation for a few minutes or whatever else well, yeah you know in addition like it's really also great for accessibility because like what if you're you know i've seen a few people in like wheelchairs and you know it's got to be hard to get through the elevators especially yeah. if there's a time limit between sessions and it's a great way to do like you know, keep plugged into what you want to get out of it without having and and be in the communities and having the, t- you know, the talks that are happening in the hallways, but without having that, you know, how am I going to get to that session in time or some of the sessions are in a different building even. And, you know, that really helps out that way too. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I was in a session, I was in a couple sessions and, and just people, you know, are walking in, they're walking out. It's like really disruptive. So having some of those sessions just out in the open where you can just flip through the channels, like channel surfing, um, I think that's better for people's attention spans. Cause then you can also tell right away, like, man, this person is just a terrible speaker. Yeah. And then you don't have to feel weird, like getting up and yeah. walking out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, and it's, it's not necessarily their fault either. I mean, it could just be like a level issue, you know, like I'm expecting a 300 level and they're it's at 100 a, or look, vice versa. That's a huge challenge. Like we, we did a session today, which we leveled at 300, but I guarantee you people went there like i don't know what azure functions is like i don't know what serverless right. is and mm-hmm. we jumped right into the weeds yep. and like it's hard because i know there's also a big group of people who are like i already know the basics tell me the new stuff uh so it's it's like there's always going to be a miscalculation so it is kind of nice when it's like I, my feelings aren't hurt if 10 minutes and you realize mm-hmm. oh this is not this is not my session yeah you know? well actually what i like about um like i watched one of your sessions and it was 
it actually provided some context because you were you were actually building a static website and you were also using Blazor. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like there was no requirement to, to demo Azure Functions to like build a Blazor site mm-hmm. and to build a static website and all this kind of stuff. But you're actually showing like, hey, by the way, these things aren't used like completely in isolation. You can use all these other cool technologies with it. So I really like that because I think static websites – uh, plus Azure Functions is a really good combo. I that is I think that's going to be my favorite session for this week. Like yeah. that, I've had so much fun playing with that. And, and for those who might not be familiar with it, you can you can point a domain like whatever msdevshow.com, and instead of hitting a server, it just hits a storage account and it turns back an index.html and then it just renders without a server. Mm-hmm. And then if you do need to call it back in ADPL, you call an Azure function. It's such a nice pattern. It's 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 uh like it's very inexpensive because you're not paying for anything until it yeah. runs, and it's kind of fun to build. So uh, we actually I had a did blast that yeah. on a just a like a side. We made our yeah. we have a static website and yeah. we did it. We put all our stuff in a in a storage account yeah. and it, and it worked great because we have like one Azure function that's our API mm-hmm. and. Honestly, it's just been laziness because the, the we have so there's a whole other MS Dev Show site that is like literally so, so you POC'd the, the static one and right. you just haven't moved it and, over and, to that one. And I totally confirmed. I'm like, yep, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> and, and I I think I just literally haven't switched the DNS records. So I mean, I really just need to push that across the the finish line. I assume you have MSDN credits or something that's making it so you're fine. Well, like, but the, yeah, it is it is in an MSDN account. But yeah. the but the reality is like it's sitting in a storage account with nobody accessing it. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the site is not really that big. It's probably like two cents a month or something is what it's costing us. And then it'll probably cost us like 30 cents a month when we actually like flip it over. Right, right. So it just really doesn't matter. So it's such a cool combo. So the big thing that you uh, announced this week, uh, the it's it's KEDA, which I think is KEDA? KEDA. KEDA. Yeah, it's I, fine. It's I, an I could, acronym. I couldn't remember if I had screwed it up earlier or if I was going to screw it up this time. So KEDA. <laughs> it's like, it, I, if you want to call it Azure or Azure, it's fine. It could be <laughs> KEDA or KEDA. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Bring your own pronunciation, basically. Yeah. So what is KEDA? Uh, so KEDA is, it is an acronym for Kubernetes-based event-driven autoscaling. And probably the best way to explain this would be, uh, when you run Azure Functions, uh, it's using what we talk about, like event-driven architecture, where I'm going to write some bit of code that executes on behalf of an event, like someone drops a message in a queue. Uh, and then we, as a service, when you publish your function there, we look at that queue. And we know, hey, this queue is empty. We don't need to be running your function. Um, and then as soon as an item gets dropped on the queue, we know that there's work to be done there. So we'll go and spin up your function, let it consume the queue item and go on. And then more so too, if like it's not just one message on the queue, if I dropped 10,000 items on a queue, our service knows that there's 10,000 things to be right. done. And so it will hurry and add lots of instances. That's a really nice concept. That's been one of the reasons people like Azure Functions. Kubernetes is obviously extremely powerful, uh, but people who wanted to do event-driven architectures in Kubernetes, by default, Kubernetes scales your containers just based on CPU and memory. So it's looking at like, hey, this is at 80% CPU, we should probably add another one. But if you have 10,000 items in a queue and right. 80% CPU, it's just going to kind of add one after the another. So Kata at its core is bringing the scaling logic and the serverless kind of event-driven nature of Azure Functions but letting you do that inside of Kubernetes. Uh, and so one of the things that that lights up is you can now take an Azure function that's depending on this thing that's going to scale it, not make any changes to the other function, deploy it to Kubernetes, 
uh, in Azure's Kubernetes service or anywhere else, and it's going to run and scale the same way. But now instead of running and scaling in our service, it's running and scaling inside of Kubernetes. So do I have to run like another container that's sort of the thing that's monitoring the the queue? That's right. So okay. there's a one-time install uh, where it, we have it in our tooling today, like the Azure Functions Core Tools. You say like func install Kubernetes and you install kind of like this watcher thing, okay. which, uh, which is both watching for new functions or new containers you deploy. And Kata works. It works great with Azure Functions, but you could actually just take any container that's consuming an item from a queue or an event hub or RabbitMQ or Kafka or whatever else. Um, but it's watching for those deployments and then it's monitoring the queue link and then it's driving scale for you. Yeah. And then I saw Red Hat was involved in this somehow. That's right. So they uh, so they partnered in both uh, making it so that you can now take Azure Functions. If you're like a Red Hat customer, you use OpenShift, maybe on-premises, maybe in the cloud. You could now write Azure Functions and run them in OpenShift. They were really interested in kind of surfacing a serverless programming model for their customers. Uh, so they partnered with us too, but it is, it's fully open source. We actually have community calls um, where we're working with a number of people who who are generally like, hey, even if I'm not using Azure Functions, this kind of function-like scaling is a useful pattern. Uh, and I actually mentioned before the show, there is actually ties yeah, to the MS Dev show. Yeah, we've been curious about that. I know, I could tell both of <laughs> you were like, when's he going to talk about this? So two years ago, mm-hmm. At Build was the first time I was ever on this podcast. Yep. Maybe the only time. I remember. Uh, and at the time, I remember the question you asked me was, um, hey, so there's this whole idea of like containers or serverless. Which one was it? And at the time, I remember saying something along the lines of, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a little bit of b- both. And like in, in, I said something to the effect of like, my dream world would be you can write Azure functions, but if you ever decide that you want a little bit more control, you can then just kind of move across the stack and you could yep. go to containers and you can go to Kubernetes. And at the time I said that, and I've had a few people who are like, hey, we listened to this or they even published it on Channel yeah. 9. And there's always been the thing in the back of my mind where it's like, I want this dream world where I can take <laughs> yeah. my Azure functions and move them across the way. And so in many ways, like a few months ago when we started looking at this, I was like, oh, this is like, this is something that I expressed two years ago <laughs> at the time on the Logic Apps team, uh, I think even, where I was like, I really want this world. And so uh, I think that was the first time I had publicly said that like this this would be my perfect world. And today yeah. is kind of where we're like, this is the first incarnation of you can take your function and run it on whatever side of that spectrum you want from really lots of control in Kubernetes to um, no control and no management in the Kata side. Yeah, I think that's awesome because uh, like the, um, I know for a while you've been in, a, the, the reality is like almost nobody even knows that you can do this, mm. but you could take your function and put it into a container. And I was always talking to people about that functionality because like, to me, that, that, that always made me think a little differently because it's like, wait a second, like functions is like this serverless thing that just magically works. And somehow I can package that and then I can ship it. And like, it would always kind of like make everybody think a little differently. It's like, you know, turning a box inside out or something, you know, and they're like, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. The way that we try to talk about it. And it's, I don't know if it's as clear as I wish it was. Mm -hmm. There's almost two sides to functions. There's the function service, which is the thing that like runs your code and does the scaling. And then there's the functions programming model, like the actual, Hey, I just want to have this thing run on a queue. But you can take that programming model, stick it in a container, and run it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's going to save you from writing the while loop that says, like, listen for the queue message, and right. when it gets there, do that, and then do all the monitoring. Like Or even, like, the schedule stuff, like the cron job type of, right. of thing. Like, I, I, I've used it for that. I think it's great. Yeah, exactly. So so you can just take, like, the, the programming model aspects and run them anywhere on an IoT device. Mm-hmm. It's not serverless in the air quote way of the word, yeah. but, you know, hey, it's it saves you writing some code, and that's that's great. 
Absolutely. So when we kind of like look into this uh, CADA service and, you know, thinking of like how Kubernetes works and spins things up, like, is there kind of like when it's doing its job and spinning up new stuff, is there kind of like cold start penalties that you get like you do on other services? Yeah. So when you, when you deploy a function to Kubernetes, the defaults that we give you is like, if there's no work to be done, Scale to zero, just like you do in the Azure yeah. Function Service, and that's that's pretty quick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Scale, scaling to zero is real fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, there's a problem. Anytime I ask you about scaling speed, you just clarify. So up we or scaled down. it. We scaled to zero right away. Was that that was your question, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so there's two two sides to this. The first is that there's a polling interval, which is how frequently we'll actually check the queue for messages, right. um, and you can configure that in seconds. But then the second one is like, even after we've detected an item on the queue, we need to go spin up your container. And that does take some time. So like, uh, I just did a demo a few hours ago. From the time I dropped the message on the queue to when the actual container was up and running in Kubernetes, consuming the queue message, took about 10 seconds. So you could say that there was a 10 second cold start. And that's my own Kubernetes cluster. And it's just because spinning up a Docker container takes a lot of time. Uh, so there is some cold start. Uh, so the way <laughs> I, I like our definition of a lot of time has changed <laughs> to ten seconds. Oh, yeah. oh, ten seconds. <laughs> uh, so there's a few options here. The first is you can control to keep like one warm oh, always like in Kata. Yeah, you can say min and minutes okay. is a max. Um, but it is interesting because like it's always interesting to me in Azure Functions. If I did the same test in the Azure Functions service. Uh, our cold start today is somewhere around like two to three seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I just do this in pure containers and Kubernetes, it's like 10 seconds to spin that up. So it is just showing that like the Azure function service, we are doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes yeah. to try to optimize that environment as much as possible. But it is a hard problem to say, I'm going yeah. to take your arbitrary code <laughs> and stick it on a brand new machine yeah. in as fast as possible. Uh, but yeah, in the Kubernetes world right now, it takes about 10 seconds. It's a little bit longer if you use like one of the virtual nodes, the the serverless containers. Yeah. Um, but but it is something to be aware well, of. Well, to be clear, it's 10 seconds if it if it has to create a new node, a new or yes. a new container container instance on a node. So if you already have 10 of them and a new item comes in, yeah, I mean, it's, you're just going to, you're, you're going to rarely pay that penalty. And actually maybe, maybe the good follow-up question is then if I have one instance and it's processing a queue message, and then you decide to fire up a second one, do you start it and then start feeding it? Or do you, or is somebody going to sort of pay that penalty there along the way? Yeah. So the way that functions works, and even with Kata work, it's it's the consume or competing consumer pattern, mm. which means that it's oh, up well, to the good. actual instance okay. itself to pull yeah, yeah. few items. Well, that's good. Then. So if you only have one, the one's only grabbing it, and as soon as the second one pops up, it's just going to start going like, "Give same, me work." You know. So in like a perfect world, it's like grabbing every other one, basically. Right. Exactly. Okay. Where okay. we're not having to like go and queue them up on the second instance yeah. while it's warming up. Yeah. So then, you know, this is really cool. So what what kind of scenarios did did you envision this would open up then? So there's a there's a f- kind of four main. I don't, I shouldn't give a number because I'm not going to remember what they all are. Uh, <laughs> so there's a few. The the one of the most common ones that we've been hearing a lot is uh, people wanting to run Azure Functions potentially on premises, and this yeah. isn't just because. They, you know, they're afraid to go to the cloud. It's because they're doing a big IoT deployment. We've been working with a customer who wants to do like Azure functions powering things like a sports stadium. And those functions need to have really low latency and be very close to the actual devices themselves. Um, but still in a very scalable way. So being able to run Azure functions 
in a cluster of servers on-premises is one of the options there. Uh, there is a there, and, and similar to the on-premises, like we we work with some like financial services companies, and they're like we you know we legally have to run this code in the state of New York, right, right, right. and there's no data center in New York, so let us do that here. Uh, the other one too. Um, Kubernetes is a big deal. I don't know if you've both heard of it before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Maybe we should have started there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kubernetes is real, and it's yeah. very impressive. The thing that does not really exist in the Kubernetes community today is a good developer experience for serverless that includes the scale stuff, the, the kind of like taking everything we've learned in Azure Functions and, and bringing it to that world. So even if I look outside of Microsoft to like the open community, mm-hmm. to the massive community that Kubernetes has, there's a part that's like, hey, we have learned a lot along the way with Azure Functions. And we've learned a lot about how events are working. We learned a lot about throughput and scale. Maybe we could unlock something so that if you are just an open stack developer on any cloud, um, Maybe you can be more productive with these tools. And and the nice part of that story from like, well, why would you do that? Like, is it out of the goodness of your heart? And there's a part of it where it's like, I think Microsoft is getting some DNA of we do want to default to open source. But the other part is, let's say you start as the I'm a Kubernetes operator yeah. and I go write these CADA functions. And then you decide, you know what? I'm, I really don't like these background jobs, these cron jobs. I don't really need to be managing those in my cluster. Like, do I really want to be dealing with those along with my other apps or everything else? Mm-hmm. You could take those apps and then go say, I'm going to throw those to the Azure function service. And we're then going to be the people who are managing the scale. So the other one is just kind of the open stack in general with the idea that we want to be portable across environments too. Yeah. I just feel like once you, once you go Kubernetes, then like anything that's not Kubernetes just feels kind of weird. Mm. You know, kind of depending. I think, I think if it's like 50 50, you know, if you're using like, let's say it's like SQL Azure and you're using, you know, hosted functions and, and, you know, so that's like half your infrastructure and then the other half is in Kubernetes. I don't think that would bother me, but if it was like a 95 5 split. Sure. Yeah. You know, like I have, it's, yep, everything runs in Kubernetes except for this one little thing over here. So I think, I think then I would be very inclined to be like, Hey, how do I get that one thing over there? Just so that it's all running in the same execution environment on the same servers. Uh, Tons, tons of companies are like, we're making a big bet on Kubernetes. We're, we're going to build the skill set. We're going to build the operations team. Um, maybe they even have like even more than the, I feel weird about it. Like we have secured our Kubernetes cluster and the security requirements that we That's need. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and I have an app mesh now and like it's communicating the way that I want. But for these Azure functions, it goes down this different path. Uh, but now you can be like, <laughs> yeah. no, just your functions will go party along there with everything yeah. else. Yeah. That's super cool. Raygun provides full stack error, crash and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com. Get up and running within minutes. Dramatically improve the online experience of your users. So, you know, as you've thought about, you know, tons of new things with this service, uh, we mentioned a bunch of, you know, the existing trigger types are, were before. Is, are there any new ones that are, are, have you've come up with in the meantime? So there is a new trigger actually today. It's a trigger with an asterisk, <laughs> uh, which is Kafka. Uh, so okay. you can now trigger Azure Functions on Kafka. And the reason it's got an asterisk is today the Kafka trigger only works when it's running inside of Kubernetes and Kata. Mm. 
Now, the reason for that is you can trigger on Kafka in the Azure Function Service, but the way we recommend you do it is through Azure Event Hubs, which exposes a Kafka endpoint, and then you can use our Event Hub stuff. So some of the new triggers, though, is Kafka and, and RabbitMQ are two triggers for, for Kata that have come along with this. Um, but we're always like... Uh, that's, it's more of a point in time thing that it doesn't work in the consumption plan. Um, but those are two of the main ones. Um, and we've got a few more that have kind of been, there's always interest in Redis people triggering on like a change in a Redis cache. We haven't cracked the nut on how to do a trigger for that yet. Uh, and there's also a lot of interest with SQL, but in general, kind of our approach with functions, both in and out of Kubernetes has been, figuring out how to integrate with like event grid, which kind of notifies wow. us when something changes. And then we're not kind of one-off building capabilities for all these things. It's just, hey, SQL notifies us when something changed. Uh, that's a feature I would love to see uh, in yeah, the future. I'm sure you were excited about event grid. <laughs> yes, event grid. Event grid was a great story for us in the in the way to give us more trigger sources. Yeah, yeah. And then I know that there have been durable functions for a while, and it would probably be good to re-explain those. But then I also saw some notes about durable, uh, stateful functions, mm. and I'm totally confused. So <laughs> can help me there. <laughs> Understandably so. Yeah. So we'll start with durable functions. Yeah. Um, so Azure functions in general, kind of by default, are the stateless, short-lived, hey, you know, go do this tiny thing. And... Oftentimes, the problems you're solving for are not simple and stateless. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the the example I usually start with to explain durable is somebody places an order on your website. They order a T-shirt. Uh, when that happens, first you need to charge their credit card. After the credit card is charged, you need to create a shipping order, and then you need to pick inventory, whatever else. So there's like five things that happen happen in a specific order for every order. Uh, so durable functions is an extension to Azure functions that lets you write and describe that process as an Azure function, but the framework, the extension is going to do the magic behind the scenes to make sure those happen in order. And you only ever pay like your, your compute's only running when there's actually work to be done. So let's say the last step of your order process is that somebody has to click like approve shipment. And sometimes it takes an hour for a person to click approve shipment, or if it's over a weekend, it might take three or four days. Durable functions will actually hang out, waiting at that step in the process. And then on Monday morning, when they click approve, it's just going to start from that point. But you didn't pay for anything during the weekend. Uh, so you can kind of write these workflow, more stateful-like patterns with durable functions. So it's like a long-running, pausable function. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Should have called it that. Yeah, it's <laughs> 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 yeah, so long-running, pausable function. Uh, but that's a very good way to think about it because it, yeah. it runs for a long time, but it's really, it's really just running for a short time and pausing yeah. a lot. Uh, so the new capabilities we answered, which is even more advanced, like durable's already advanced, and yeah. I'm still figuring out, maybe the same way you gave me a good name, you can figure out the best. <laughs> <laughs> way to describe this. So it's this new pattern called stateful entities. So uh, in the previous example, I would have an instance of my durable function for every order. Meaning if I had 100 orders, I would have 100 of these workflows, these possible things. What we noticed people were doing with durable functions is that they were mapping their durable workflows to an actual entity, like a thing, like maybe an IoT device or uh, a, a human, uh, and they were kind of trying to keep them un like long running forever. So possible, but like always running. So, 
uh, it's very similar to like an actor pattern. I don't know if you've done much with like actor programming and like the service fabric things. So this stateful entity thing allows you to create an entity trigger where it's a very special type of durable function where it, it maps to an actual entity, like let's say an IoT device. You give it some properties like temperature and a location, and then you give it some operations like raise temperature, decrease temperature, whatever else. You write that as a function. You can now call it, and we will create one of those long-running, possible functions okay. for every single device. I'd call that an actor. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I'll go into it here. We call we called it an actor for a very, very long time. Oh, really? Time. Okay. Yeah, so we called these durable actors okay. uh, because that's kind of what we had in mind here. And yeah. we're like, hey, this is the actor pattern. What we learned, uh, uh, this being the MS Dev show, as we talked to like our Azure MVPs, as we talked to yeah. our good friends on the Service Fabric team, is they're like, okay, if you go to Wikipedia and you look at the definition of an actor, oh, you have this people. fits it. This fits the definition. Oh, okay. No, it, it does. actually does fit oh, the definition. Okay. But when you get, I thought people's... they were going to be like, "That's not rest." No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I even laughed because I was like, "There's always battles about like what is or isn't serverless." Right, I was like, "I right, know these battles." Right. But there was consistent feedback that they're like, "This is not actors in the expectations that we have from a programming experience." Okay. Um, so we are doing things different than like Orleans or Service Fabric. Right. But the pattern's the same. Um, but it is like, I, I, maybe I should just start describing these as actors and then just realize in our branding, we maybe don't yeah. call them that. But at the end of the day, it's not as clean as in Orleans, I guess, as I would say yet. And that it's not mapped to like a C-sharp class. I don't know if you've, have you written anything in yes, like service? Yeah. So, so they're like, you actually create a class and that class is yep. now the actor. In durable functions, you're almost writing a function with a switch statement. So it's not quite as tightly coupled to the language. Okay. It's kind of like a state machine. Uh, yeah, which was a conscious choice because we know we have multiple languages and we need to expose this everywhere. And in JavaScript, I don't have a type that I can map this to. Um, but you can solve the same kind of problems there in the stateful entity okay. stuff. Because I was talking to somebody at lunch and they were the ones that actually told me about the durable stateful, stateful functions. Yeah. <laughs> they said they were excited about it. So uh, that's literally where I heard it from. So like the, your message is getting out. Yeah, the blog and, post published today. Yeah, we we just and, need to work on the branding. <laughs> yeah. And then it was funny because he was talking about, we were sort of having a discussion with some other people. And then, and then he did get to that point where he's like, it's, he's like, he's like, it's kind of like an actor. And I just thought it was kind of funny, you know, yeah. that you'd like sort of start from that. So it probably is good to say like, okay, think of it as an actor and then, and then just discuss like how, what the differences are. That's I think probably that's probably because it's, it's so stateful entities is a, oh man, I should like stateful entities is not a very descriptive Loaded, name. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a little bit. So, but it, for all intents and purposes, okay. this is the durable function actor thing. Okay. Well, that's super cool though. I mean, now that I actually like sort of place all this, mm. this is super cool stuff. Yeah. Especially if you have any experience with actor frameworks in the past yeah. and, and and thinking about like the exam the demo I built ages ago, I don't even think I'm going to show it this week is like uh, a game of tic-tac-toe where like, imagine I have a mobile app and I'm going to start a game of tic-tac-toe with you. Maybe you make a move and then it's my turn, but I don't make a move for like a week and a half because I go on vacation yeah. and then I come back up on my phone and make that move. Like our game state could be an Azure function and it's keeping track of that, that, you know, how many X's and how many O's. And when I make the next move, it's just going to grab our session. There could be 10,000 players across the world all playing their own games of tic-tac-toes. But this is all serverless. If no one's playing, I'm not paying anything. If yeah. it goes viral, it just scales up. So letting you do that state flactor thing, very advanced, very complicated. So it's kind of amazing that you mentioned a game like that because a bunch of our friends, we have a private Slack channel. Mm. And there's one Slack channel or whatever they call it in there. I think it's that, channel. Yeah. Yeah. 
in in there there's one channel that we play Uno in. Sure. And we've like we've had some performance problems or whatever and we've like wanted to move it to Azure Functions for a while yeah. and this sounds like it's the perfect yeah. way to represent that game. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Game gaming and IoT are the two big ones for for actors that that really really snap. Yeah, because I, because it, an actor is really good at representing a device and like device state and things yeah, like that. Right. And and then you don't I mean it's th- this type of model is perfect too cuz it fits in really well with functions where you just don't even have to think about like oh I need I need to like sort of shard you know three devices onto this server and three over here and it's like ah oh, that's for just... a game of Uno that's too much <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it's it's just too much do you mean to ask this next one Carl yeah it's your question okay yeah because I was I was watching one of your presentations you were talking about this um, scenario where they were they they it was basically a contest where they were giving major discounts on on cars. Mm. Um, so I wanted to talk about that scenario because it was basically a scenario where they had a p- specific page. Well, first of all, what was really cool is that they didn't replace their whole website. They just replaced a page with an Azure function. And then that page, they were expecting crazy scale. So they, um, you know, so that's why they used an, an Azure function. So I don't know if you can talk at all about like the stats or anything like that. I mean, um, how did it handle, you know, just a whole bunch of people coming in at once and, and how did that work out? Yeah. Yeah. So, and to give some background on the story. So, uh, it was for singles day, which is like November 11th, which is whatever bigger than black Friday. And, and this, uh, big retailer called us, honestly, it's, it's shocking at what time we got the call. It was like November 6th <laughs> that we got some call from someone who's like, Hey, we're going to run this massive promotion on November 11th. And yet you were exactly, they, they were going to run this big sale where they were selling cars for something like 90% off. Yeah. And they're like, how it's going to work is that we're going to let everybody know that they can buy a car for 90% off. They all go to this website, they enter in their details. And if they win, then they can now make the purchase. And this is going to be, it was across like multiple countries. They're like, we expect this to be massive. We need to handle traffic for up to, I want to say 100,000 requests per second. Cause like we might have 100,000 people who all go to the site. And to your point, one of their biggest concerns was we can't scale our entire website to yeah. do 100,000 I mean, yeah, requests yeah, a second. Exactly. Like it's so, I think it, if it wasn't WordPress, something akin to it, where it's like some yeah. content management system hitting a SQL database on the back end, they're like that, that WordPress site can't scale to 100,000 requests yeah. a second. So the way that they did it is they took just that promotions page moved that to a static website, um, and, and then they tested it. So the numbers that they tested in the Azure Functions consumption plan, uh, they got up to about 50,000 requests a second. And they're like, we want even more. Um, so I was like, okay. So then they just made a switch, and they went over to kind of like this dedicated premium plan, which we also have, which just gives you bigger hardware. Um, and then they were able to surpass their expectations. Uh, so we were terrified because it was like November 7th. And I think I got on a call with him again on like November 9th. And I was like, are you okay? And they're like, well, you passed our load test. So we're okay. Uh, and <laughs> it's like, how good are your load tests? And, uh, <laughs> I, I never, I, I, I didn't hear them complain on the 11th. So it all went great. Yeah. Um, they didn't like, like anything The people never hit their scale targets. Like they always yeah, tell me they need a billion a second and then they end up getting whatever, a hundred, uh, yeah, three, <laughs> but it was big, yeah. but, but function scaled perfectly, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they were able to. That's so true in. about the scale targets. I remember I worked at a startup and we were acquired by GE. And, uh, and I remember that everybody was like, we need to like beef up the website, you know, cause like all these investors and everything would be hitting it. I mean, we had for the, for a 24 hour period, 
less than a hundred people. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, like, I, in in hindsight, I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's al- it's always better to prepare for the like the worst. <laughs> yeah. But yes, yeah, so constantly, like even recently, will be people are like, yes, this solution we require a million messages a second. And I was like, woof, that's yeah, a what really the heck are big you doing? number. Yeah, <laughs> but like, we'll figure out how to. Yeah. you know, are you the phone company? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so talking about scale, like how much does this service cost mm, uh just in general when you when is it scales out with functions yeah yeah uh, what's the pricing model well i that, think kata would be the kind well, of the thing that we oh well, yeah sure yeah, so yeah we, we can cover the whole spectrum so that, yeah, that actually yeah. does bring up a good point so kind of the the majority of people are happy in the consumption plan that's kind of what we've been talking about mostly here which is you only pay when it's running that's usually what i use uh i don't even know the bill like i should know what like the actual price per cent is but it's some it's like six zeros and a five four yeah uh i, I just round that to zero I, <laughs> but it, but you you pay for both how many executions you have and then how long those executions right. last but there's a massive free credit um it is a massive amount of people who use azure functions who've never paid us a dime right who are still doing a lot of work like a million executions a month <laughs> um but it's just in there the free tier when you move to the Kubernetes side of the house, um, it's just based on how much, how many machines you needed for that Kubernetes cluster. So it's it's just running on top of the Azure Kubernetes service. So whatever you'd be paying an Azure Kubernetes service for. So Kata uh, really doesn't cost anything. It's what you're what you're scaling up with it. You know, whatever VMs and stuff that that takes. That's what the cost is. Yeah, exactly that. And it could be it could be like your set cluster size in AKS, or they have this feature now called virtual nodes where you could run those functions on kind of serverless containers that uses the Azure container instance. And in that case, you're only paying for what you're using, which are those serverless containers. But Kata itself, yeah, to your point, it's, it's like a library you're installing on top of Kubernetes, and you're going to get charged whatever it costs to run that thing, whether it's the AKS base price or AKS with these virtual serverless containers. Very cool. Anything else you're dying to tell us, or do you think we covered it pretty well? Ooh, we covered a lot here. We yeah. got we got into some deep stuff too with uh, with a <laughs> durable actor like thing and yeah, the long exactly. running possible functions. Well, hey, hey, <laughs> like the, the the public has spoken. Like that wasn't even my question. That was literally from a lunch conversation. Yeah, no, so. it, it's it's uh, it's exciting. No, it, I think that that covers the big stuff. We're really oh. excited to to see kind of where things go and and uh i'm i'm hopeful for the world of did i make any promises here too like in two years i need no, to I was deliver say, i was about to say yeah. though we're gonna have you on in two years and we <laughs> See, and what come it was back that and, inspired yeah tell us what what we inspired this time <laughs> probably I'll, I'll launch an uno service and i'll be like you know it was because we talked about that uno game that i decided <laughs> actually you should talk to the xbox team you know like <laughs> you could have uh you know that could be a way to like you know help with teams adoption or something uh-huh. built-in game I don't know. Sure. Like any of these, these are these are all gold. Write these down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Long running possible functions. Bad <laughs> Uno in teams. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about all this. It's awesome stuff. How's it going? Do you need some water? You got water. I shouldn't have offered things I couldn't do. Hey, Richard. (laughs) That would have been awesome. (laughs) Yeah, we got a code three in here.